Uh, in our series that we're in, One Kingdom Disciple, today we look at count the cost, commitment. It's Fitting that we're talking about commitment on Valentine's Day, uh, a day where love is celebrated and uh, understanding that love, even more than emotion, is commitment. Which leads me to think of a story of a guy I know about 35 years ago was, was dating this fun-loving and uh, beautiful young girl. And they were best friends. They had an absolute blast when they were together. And they shared in common a desire of wanting to serve God with their lives as a couple. I, I know these people. Uh, they've, they've remained committed to each other over uh, coming up to 34 years married this spring. Uh, and that first commitment, or that, that commitment was first uh, publicly expressed by him to her the day he asked her to marry him by having an airplane fly over Edmonton's John Ducey Park at the time at a Trappers game in September 1986 with her name and the question, will you marry me, floating behind she said yes. I wasn't surprised. <clears throat> the following year, they were married, and since that day, they've often been reminded that there are no shortcuts to living out a vibrant and strong relationship as long as they both shall live. No shortcuts to that. There's, there are no shortcuts to living out commitment. There are no easy paths at times to living out commitment. And it's no different in our relationship with Jesus. We are called to complete commitment. Jesus spoke about commitment and he stressed that before we say we want to follow him, before we jump into being a, a, a Christian, we must consider the cost of doing so. Oh, he knows, Jesus knows it's the absolute best thing for us now and eternally, and yet he still says, oh, wait a minute, count the cost. Count the cost. Because he asks for nothing less than full commitment. And in, in spite of the trouble in life that Jesus said we'd have, there is nothing this world can offer that can even begin to compare. But... Count the cost, he still says. In Luke 14, 28 and 29, Jesus says, Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? For if you lay the foundation and are not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule you. Unfortunately, this is sometimes the way it is for people who decide they want to become a Christian. They, they, they don't count the cost, or they're not told that there's a cost. And so when life gets hard, they pack it in. And, and in doing so, sadly, they're, they're quitting on the very person who loves them most and can lead their lives best because he created them. Not to mention the little, you know, gift tacked on at the end, eternal life, kind of just bonus tacked on. So this idea of counting the cost, it's about asking the question, am I willing to prioritize uh, everything 
or rather prioritize Jesus and obedience to him over everything and over everyone in my life? Am I willing to do that? There's three, three areas that I want to touch on in, in, this, uh, in responding to this question as we, hopefully all of us, want to move our hearts and our choices that direction. Number one, as I count the cost, can I place Jesus over relationships in my life, over every relationship in my life? For some, counting the cost of following Jesus is knowing that a family member will pull away from them, maybe even disown them. And in many parts of our world, that's pretty much a given that may be a, just a long way from our thought process, but, but it's true. But for some, even when they know that that will happen, they still choose to commit to Jesus because they've come to realize that Jesus is the only way to uh, take hold of the life that is truly life. As Paul words it in 1 Timothy 6.19, that's a great phrase. There's a, a lady that Miriam and I knew in a previous church who grew up in uh, a, a different country in our world, and she was in her mid-teens, and through the influence and the witness of a Christian friend at school, she personally came to trust Christ and follow Christ, and she, she knew it. She, she had to count the cost, and sure enough, her, her dad threw her and her Bible, her new Bible, literally out onto the street. It's her testimony. Well, eventually, and, and she remained true to Christ, by the way, and eventually the relationship with her parents was, 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 was restored. This lady and her husband, we got to know them in a previous church, following Christ, years later, following Christ and their, their little child. This is the type of situation that Jesus talks about when he says some difficult words in Matthew chapter 10, 34 to 37. Jesus speaking, do not suppose that I have come to bring peace to earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. What? Stay with me. For I have come to turn a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. A man's enemies will be the members of his own household. Anyone who loves their father, Jesus says, anyone who loves their father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves their son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Strong words. And, and yes, Jesus is the Prince of Peace still, as the Bible says he is, because through him there can be peace in relationships, human to human. But, of course, through him, primarily, there's, there's eternal peace in relationship with God. But, but these verses in Matthew are referring to what full commitment to Jesus can sometimes result in, in families. Maybe for some of you, there's, some of this is your reality. Jesus doesn't want this division. Of course not. But the sword in these words of Jesus is symbolic of, of the division that he knows will sometimes happen. When, when, when a young person views life and eternity with Jesus as even more important than, than the dreams 
a, a loving parent has for them. And again, some of you, maybe that's your experience. You've had to make that choice, and you've made that choice. It's amazing. The life and eternity that Jesus Christ offers cannot be replaced with anything or anyone in this world, even a loving parent. Sadly, there are those who are so opposed to Jesus that they're willing to reject their own family member who has chosen to follow him. And that's the sword that comes that Jesus refers to. Still, for some of you, Jesus' words here may be difficult to get your head around. But the more you get to know Jesus and the more we understand a couple of key truths, we, we, can, we can start to comprehend. And the first thing is we can, we can only love our family members best when we know and love Jesus and when we are following his way of, of living and loving. And secondly, if we believe God to be the creator of everything in the universe, including our lives, he has every right to demand full allegiance and absolute commitment. He does. He's not out of line (laughs) as creator of us to demand that. These words about what it actually means to follow him are not always attractive words or easy words, but they are truth about what it what is ultimately best for us. And so many of you already know that. Jesus would not have made the church growth experts too happy probably back then because much of what he said, many of the things Jesus said, he actually whittled down the crowd when he got to the core of his message about commitment, didn't he? The Bible says clearly, read John 6. Some turned away to follow him no longer. But then, with this small group of committed followers, he changed the then, no, the, the then known, say that fast, the then known world. That sounds exciting, doesn't it? Change the world. You've got to remember that that happened because these committed followers were willing to die for the gospel and for Jesus, and their allegiance to him was so strong, and they did. So, as you put your relationship with Jesus above every other relationship, that that will make you a, a better father, a better mother, a better daughter, son, friend, whatever you are in that relationship. Jesus over relationships in my life leads to experiencing God's very best in every relationship. It's worth doing. Secondly, as I count the cost, can I, place over, can I place Jesus over my plans for my life? As Christ followers, we may not necessarily verbalize this, but it's my life. Oh, sorry, I didn't mean to do that. Uh, yeah, right, Jeff? You could sing it with me, right? Uh, if, people watching online, if you, if you know who that is, throw it in the chat. Let's just see. Um, we, we, we don't say it, we probably, we think it, we live it sometimes, it's my life, I know best. Is it really my life? And, and do I really know best? 
Why would we think we know best when, when there's an all-loving, all-wise, all-powerful God who created us and is ready and willing to lovingly lead our life in the best possible path now and in eternity? He loves you most and he knows you best. And you've heard that if you've been tracking with us. He loves you most and he knows you best so you can trust his plan and his purpose for your life. You really can. That statement leads to uh, the will of God discussion. Many of you care a lot about that. Some of you have read books about that and, and there's some good books about that. And there's a good book about that. And, and don't misunderstand what I'm going to say here in a moment. There, there are definitely times when God has a specific direction he wants us to take, uh, a specific decision he wants us to make. Yes, we, we, we see that. We, we for sure see that in the New Testament. And, and most of us who've walked with Jesus for some time uh, have experienced that ourselves. And I could tell you numerous stories from my own life of, of God's specific leading. I believe where he wanted me to make a specific decision and choice and walk down a certain path. So, for sure. But let me offer this thought as well. A big question that people sometimes, Christ followers sometimes ask is, how can I know God, what, what God wants me to do with my life? How can I know? It's not a bad question. It's a good question. Certainly a question that... You know, for sure, a young, a young person needs to be asking in prayer as they're thinking and, and, and considering some pretty big decisions, life decisions at that stage. And those life decisions come at other stages too, I'm, of course. And, and, but I'm, I'm not sure that Jesus wants us to be so fixated on the long-term future that we miss what he wants us to do today to be salt and light today. To show and share his love today with people in our sphere of influence or, or people that, he, that we begin to view as God bringing across our path randomly. Huh? Doesn't mean that God doesn't, again, necessarily have a specific uh, occupation that he wants you to settle into, for sure. But let me, pastor and author David Platt, I jumped ahead there, let me back up. Um, pastor and author David Platt offers this good thought. The question shouldn't be so much, God, what is your will for my life? But rather, he says, God, what is your will in the world and how can I align my life with that? I, I like that. That's good. That, that's Probably a little less then about the actual choice of occupation than it is about how I'm going to uh, live out my faith and reflect the love of Jesus through my life in whatever occupation I choose. As important a decision as that is. That doesn't mean God, you know, again, doesn't necessarily have a specific occupation he wants you to settle in, but, but God's will in a broad and foundational sense is that we live our lives to honor and exalt him. Uh, to become like him in our character, Romans 8, 29. And, and that we love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Great commandment, Mark chapter 12. No matter what our work 
or occupation is in life. Living this type of Christ-following life is getting up every morning and saying, Jesus, here's another day. Here's another day that you've given me. How, what do you want me to do? How do you want me to serve and love people, show your love to people today? That's, I think, the lion's share of, of the, the God's will discussion. And so Jesus, over my plans, leads to experiencing God's very best in life's journey. And then, as I count the cost, can I place Jesus over everything? I know, it's catch-all here. Let's call it what it is, right? Over everything. For someone who wants to walk close to Jesus, there are a lot of distractions in our world. I had a young, uh, a young man in our church recently say this to me. He says, I'm trying, to, I'm trying to get rid of a lot of these distractions in my life so that I can focus on growing in my relationship with Jesus. What a phenomenal statement for a young for anyone to make. And that, that, that excited me, that inspired me to hear that. There are so many things in life, we know it, don't we, all of us, that can, that can rob us of of Jesus being in his rightful place of, of kingship, full leadership over our lives and everything about our lives. And yet, it's always our choice to allow that to happen, isn't it? Daily. I heard Dallas Willard some years ago, I think I referenced this already, and again, it's a, a book that uh, I've referenced once or twice in this and will again next week, uh, The Great Omission, a book on discipleship. Uh, he, he said this uh, several years ago, and it stuck with me. The greatest competition to the kingdom of God in my life is the kingdom of me. Simple statement, but oh, yeah, he, <laughs> he's right, if we're honest. The biggest competition to the kingdom of God, to, to God, my creator, being king and leader of every thought and word and action and deep-seated past situation, whatever it is, is the kingdom of me, is, is when I step in and take over because I think I know best. I've done that once or twice. That's, that's why this Jesus over everything commitment is so important. So what could it be in, in your life? And I, I thought about this as I was preparing for myself, preparing this message. What, what is it? Not only just what could it be, but what is it? Because sometimes we, we know right away. What is it that tends to squeeze Jesus out of his rightful place as king and leader of your life? What is that thing? What is that attitude in my life? that squeezes Jesus out of his rightful place as king of Marlowe's life. Don't, don't let that question, for you, don't let that question fly by you too quickly. Somehow, <laughs> oblivious to what we're losing out on, we can too easily go through life being okay with living in this kingdom of me. Forgetting that it's, that, that it's only in full commitment to Jesus where, where peace and, and joy and contentment are found. And, and every, everything else that is a part of this, this life that is truly life. 1 Timothy 6.19. Jesus 
said it very straightforwardly in Luke 14, 33. Those of you who do not give up everything you have cannot be my disciples. Okay. <laughs> wow. Sobering words. Someone who wants to live as a one kingdom disciple willingly says, Jesus, you have every right to every area of my life. And so I invite you, I ask you, I, I plead with you, I, I ask you to take control and lead it all. I fully surrender everything. My heart, my relationships, my thought life, my finances, my, my attitudes, my, my future, my, ultimately my eternity. And that's, look around this room, I'm sure the heart of the vast majority of us. And for many of you watching, you're there. You're there. Press into that. Revisit that. Recommit daily. You don't have to fear making a Jesus over everything commitment because God, I heard a preacher say this years ago, and this stuck with me too, God takes full responsibility for a life that is fully committed to him good then. That's good then. God takes full responsibility for your fully committed life. Those things that you fear in releasing control, that's normal. We're all, we all have that. No need to fear because God loves you most and he knows you best. I want that phrase to stick in your heart. I want that phrase to stick in your mind. So that in those moments of decision or when you're feeling unsettled or shaky, oh, yeah, God loves me most. He knows me best. Okay, keep going. Full-on commitment.